Today's Bible reading is from the Book of Matthew, chapter twenty-four, verses thirty-six to forty-four. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field; one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill; one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this: if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. And we do not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Our second reading is taken from Romans thirteen,、uh, verses eight to fourteen. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments: You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command: Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over; the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The emergency system on mobile phones and radio and other systems rang across Japan last month, early last month, because North Korea had launched some missiles across Japan. People are, t- are told to stay at home and not come out and seek shelter. In Korea, life actually went on sort of normally. <laughs> How could that be? Well, in a sense, because South Koreans are ready. For the worst, did you know that South Korea spends by GDP the、uh, fifth highest among all the nations in the world in military and defense? It has the eighth, act, eighth largest army, active army in the world, and if you include the reserve and the paramilitary units, it's actually the second largest army in the whole world, only behind actually North Korea. South Korea, in a sense, is ready 
ready for the wars. That's why its children can uh, still go to schools uh, when things are going on and people can still go to restaurants and life can go on as normal because they're ready for the worst. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Another Korean war would be devastating uh, for all those who are involved in such a war. But there is a day that is coming. That will, there, there is a day that is coming that will change the fate of every single person in this world in a personal way as well as in a, the most cosmic scale. The day of our Lord's coming. Jesus is coming back. And Jesus calls us to be ready. This Sunday is the second week, second Sunday of Advent. Advent simply means uh, coming. It's the day that we remind ourselves, it's the season we remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back, that we are to watch out, that we are to put on Christ, and we are uh, to long for the day of our salvation. Like the Middle Ages or the Age of Enlightenment, the last days in the New Testament are, is a technical term. It's the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And all the conditions of his return, for his return, as outlined in Matthew chapter 24, have been met already. There have already been false prophets, compelling number of them. There have been earthquakes and wars and natural disasters. You can argue there has been an unprecedented level of persecution in the last century. And the gospel has been reached, has been preached uh, to the ends of the earth. All the conditions have been met for Jesus' return. Of course, every generation of Christians uh, could say that. Even the first generation Christians in AD 70, when Jerusalem was sacked and, and the temple destroyed, it felt like the end of the world. There were wars going on, natural disasters much bigger um, than what we've seen recently. The, uh, the gospel uh, was carried all the way to Spain in, in uh, Paul's days, and that to them was the end of their world. The point is, all the conditions, as we see in Matthew 24, have been met, and Jesus could return any time. Friends, this is the season of Jesus' coming. But there's no point trying to figure out exactly which year or which day. Even Jesus, in verse 36, tells us that even the angels in heaven who are closest to God actually don't know the day of his return. Jesus, in his humanity, didn't know uh, when uh, he would come back. That we can't know is repeated four times uh, in this text in Matthew. Verse 36, 39, verse 42, and 43. We can't know. And of course, God's perspective of time is very different from our perspective of time. The psalmist calls uh, 1,000 years for us in God's sight is like one day. In that perspective, it's only been two days um, since uh, the, our Lord's ascension. And in our old age, as we look back, we sometimes say, wow, that life, my, my youth, that was like yesterday. And the Bible actually says our life, our lifespan is like a breath a vapor that comes and vanishes, or grass that, that springs up in the morning and withers at night. So 2,000 years have passed. But that doesn't mean that we can relax. 
Jesus could return anytime. This is the season. The day of the Lord will come. Like in the days of Noah, it will come suddenly. And when he comes, everything will change. The world will change in a flash. So keep watch. Or in Paul's words, Paul's words in Romans 13, wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Which begs the question, what are we supposed to do? What does it mean to be alert, to keep watch for Jesus' coming? Should we quit our jobs and join a commune? Should we all go into full-time ministry? No. Take a look at Romans. Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 12. Paul says there that the day is near. The day is night is almost over. The day is near. So what should we do? Verse 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Behave as if it's the daytime. Lang Kwai Fong, some parts of uh, Wan Chai and Hillwood Road, you know, the, the shameful activities don't happen at 2, p, 2 p.m. in the afternoon when the sun is high. It happens at 2 a.m. In the, in the guise of the night, in the middle of the night. Behave as if it's the daytime. Behave as Jesus is here today. The light of the world is here today. Put away your sin, Paul says. And not only that, Put on Christ. This injunction to put away sin is marked by two um, injunctions to put on something. Verse 12, put on the armor of light. Verse 14, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus. That's how we are to get ready for Jesus' second coming, to let him in to our life now, today, to let him come to our life as our Lord today, to clothe ourselves with Christ, to be more like him. Friends, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Some people treat faith in Jesus like taking out an insurance policy. You know, you believe in Jesus for the the end of your life, for the worst day when you are facing your death. But otherwise, it doesn't make much of a difference in our life. Friends, that's not supposed to be like that. He's here now, and we are to welcome him now. We are to let him come to our life now. What would happen if we let him in to our life more fully, more radically? What if he came into your workplace and you crowned him as your Lord, the, the Lord of your workplace? How would, what, what kind of work? How would your work change? How would you treat your colleagues differently? What if you let him in more fully and more radically in your personal life, in your marriage? What difference would it make in your marriage? How you look at your spouse, how you talk to your spouse, how you, what you do around the, uh, the, the household. How would you treat your children Differently, if you let him into your homes and into everyday interactions? What if you allowed Jesus to come into the dark corners of your life that you don't like thinking about? You don't let God touch it because you, you are afraid of what he might expose. What if Jesus came into those corners and exposed his light? What difference would that make? 
Friends, it's Advent. Advent is a season of repentance, self-reflection. It's a season of clothing ourselves with Christ. It's a season of intentionally praying that Christ would come into our life, that he would be the Lord over our, our life. Uh, with him coming now, with us becoming more and more like him, that's how we get ready for his coming, uh, for his second coming, for us to become more like him now. And did you know, did you notice that Paul said in verse 12, put on the armor of light? Well, an armor isn't something that you put on to go on a nice evening stroll, or an armor is something that you put on to go to battle, to fight. Following Christ, actually becoming like Christ in this world, in our body, in our flesh, is not easy. We have to battle our sinful nature in us. We have to battle this world that is filled with evil and injustice and terrible things. We have to evil even the spiritual forces of darkness here in this world. And it's not going to be easy. It is a struggle. There are, however, who have given in. Right? There are those who, are, who have made their, themselves at home in darkness, in evil. There are those who are at home with their sinful desires at home in their drunkenness, in their sexual immorality, dissension, jealousy, and they live at night. There are those who have chosen to join the evil forces of oppression and use their power to oppress others and for their personal gain. There are those who even called themselves sort of um, people of Satan, people who joined uh, the other side. And, and for, though, for them, the day of our Lord's coming will not be a happy day. Matthew chapter 24, that chapter ends with the warning of this day of anguish, day of gnashing of teeth and weeping. It will be a terrible day of judgment for them. But for those who are struggling against sin, against evil in this world, even if they're struggling, if they're, even if they're not overcoming it, even if they're not very, uh, doing very well, actually because they're struggling, precisely because they are struggling to put on Christ, uh, the Lord's coming, that day of the Lord's coming will be their day of salvation. Friends, do you struggle with your sin? Preaching through First Timothy made me think that I should be really more intentional uh, about putting on Christ's patience uh, and kindness and gentleness. Patience and gentleness, but it's a daily struggle. In the morning, as the kids get up and say, they say no just one too many times. Or when I run into people who are impatient themselves, um, people who are angry themselves, I erupt like a volcano. It's a daily struggle to put on Christ. And Christ doesn't fit me all that well. There's too much sin in me, too much pride and too much lust and too much greed and too much sinfulness in me for Christ to fit snugly. It's a daily struggle. But if you struggle like that, friends, the day of your salvation is coming. The day when you will receive a new body freed from the effects and the sinfulness that's in us now will receive new bodies. Day, that day will come. And also will be freed from the evil powers of this world. 
the powers of this world that perpetuate injustice, that oppresses and that, 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 that opposes God and God's people. And wars will end, injustice will end, the unjust will be punished, the wrongdoers will be taken away, put away, all wrongs will be made right. And if you struggle, and if you are being even crushed by these forces of oppression now, friends, the day of your salvation is coming. And Satan and all the spiritual forces on that day will be crushed as well. Friends, are you struggling today? Are you struggling with sin, evil, and the effects of sin and evil and death? That's, uh, that, that's, uh, that, that's ominously uh, putting their shadow upon this world. If you are, friends, lift your eyes up. The day of your salvation is coming. If your marriages have ended in divorce, if your children have passed away, your body wrecked with chronic pain, you're taking care of your family members, and it's just wearing you down. And if you look at the world, and as you live in it, you're just tired from it. Friends, lift up your eyes. The day of your salvation is coming. That's what we remember in Advent, that Jesus who came in humility, will come back in glory. There's a reason for hope, even in the valley of shadow of death. So in this season of Advent, let's continue. Let's continue struggling against sin and evil. And in this world, let's put on the armor of light and clothe ourselves with Lord Jesus Christ. And let's remind ourselves that Jesus, who came to save us once, will come back in glory. Amen.